historical summary of our lives. So please uh, take it in, and if you have any questions, we're really excited to be eating lunch together afterwards. That's always a favorite. If I can find time to eat, I'm usually too busy talking, but um, that's a fault. But hopefully somebody else near me will do all the talking. And if you see any of me or my family throughout the lunchtime or afternoon, feel free to ask us any questions you're curious about. But hopefully to get your curiosity up, here's the video. China. It's a little understood, yet often talked about country. China has a population of 1.4 billion people. In the cities, people live in housing complexes surrounded by walls, with entrances monitored by guards. Cold cereal is virtually unheard of there. Chinese people eat hot breakfast. About 75% of Chinese children attend preschool. So what do you think of when you hear the word China? Communism? The Great Wall? The flag? Chinese food? When we hear the word China, we think of people, friends, and home. Our connection with China goes back to 1990, when Ruthie moved there with her parents. After growing up in China, Ruth returned to the States for Bible college. It was there that God led us together. Graduation, marriage, and then China. After a few years in the States for seminary and deputation, we returned as a family to China in 2006, where Yusuf dove right into language school. People are people wherever you go, and language is really the main barrier, one that we have strived to overcome. Chinese is by no means an easy language. It doesn't use an alphabet, but rather pictures or characters, most of which are memorized in the first few years of Chinese elementary school. There are about 50,000 characters, but with only 2,500 characters, you can read about 98% of everyday written language. Chinese is also a tonal language. Ma, 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 ma. All mean different things. Ni 
你今年多大？今年四十一。你十个孩子养得起吗？累死人了。After language school, we transitioned into teaching English as a way of obtaining a legal work visa. We've taught English at college, middle school, elementary, and preschool levels. And in the end, we discovered that we enjoy working with preschool levels the best. All Chinese students are required to learn English. And formally start English studies in third grade. Homeschooling is not allowed in China. After working in different schools and experimenting with an in-home preschool, we eventually started our own English business, creating English teaching videos as a family for young Chinese students. I'm Yusef. <laughs> we were most frequently asked by new acquaintances was how much money do you make but as our family grew from two to three to four to five to six to seven to eight to nine to ten children the question changed to how much money does your government give you per kid or do you have enough money to support your family since 2016 the one-child policy has lifted and families are now allowed to have two children. Although we have several Christian friends with three or more kids, we have also discovered that many Chinese don't want to have more than one kid now. We want to be a good testimony to saved and unsaved people alike of God's gracious provision and our responsibility to provide. That's another reason we started our family English business. Through our online English teaching business, we've been amazed at the growing influence we've been able to have with families in China. Hi, my name is Damon. I'm six years old. Hi, my name is Joseph. I'm ten years old. I like Yusef family. Yes, I do. I like Yusef family. How about you? I like Yusef's family. Yes, I do. I like Yusef's family. How about you? The most common religions in China are atheism, spiritism for cultural superstitions, Buddhism, and Christianity. China is a closed country, meaning it is illegal for foreigners to proselytize or teach religion. Our original vision of church planting has slowly changed as we realize our gifts tend more toward edifying believers. Since China is closed to traditional ministry methods, our time in China has looked more like this, seeking to be salt and light 
in whatever situation we are in and to show believers how to live out the truths of God's Word on a day-to-day -day basis. We've had Bible studies in our home, but now do more counseling via personal visits and WeChat. WeChat is China's largest messaging app. One Chinese friend said, if you're Chinese, you have WeChat. People come to us with questions about parenting, marriage, and homeschooling. More than one family has asked us, can we just come and stay with you for a few days to see how you live? Here are a few of the messages that we have received. I can sense Christ's love through your life. How can I teach God's word to my children and lead them to have a relationship with God? You and your family is my reason to believe in God. I think I never tell you this. Thank you. I've learned from you that teaching my children is really about patience and example. Also, this year I was baptized and became a Christian. I am very blessed. I said, I want to change myself, but don't know how. I want to prepare for homeschooling, but don't know how. I want a breakout in life, but I don't know how. That day, I remember when before or after the diary, I prayed with big tears about my life now and the situation in the family that we don't know how to break through this not cold and not warm situation. And then what happened? You sent me the invitation to Shenyang on 14 October at night when I was about to sleep. And then we really changed. The breakthrough came to our lives. The refreshment of the Holy Spirit came to this family after visiting you two times in Shenyang. Amazing that how the Lord listens to praise and answers to that. So what does the future hold for us? We really don't know. Right now, we can't go back to China as a family because of COVID-related visa restrictions. When or if that will change, we don't know either. So, we continue to connect with Chinese people online. We are continuing our English business with the help of some Chinese friends, and we continue to pray about what God has for us next. Please pray for China, remembering that they are people with problems and cares just like you. Pray that believers there would live out Christ. Pray that they would study the scriptures and be doctrinally sound. And pray that they will have wisdom and boldness to spread the light of the gospel in a dark land. Well, my apologies, and yet, I really do feel like it wasn't my fault. <laughs> Only God knows what happened in the copying of that file. All I can think to say is that we use Apple, and that was a, a, a non-Apple computer. It's probably a Windows non-compatibility, which I've never experienced, never, never in uh, several teen times. But I suffered with you. 
Well, that, that was interesting to watch, uh, especially because we spent most of the last half of last year traveling and, and reporting. And so in the last several weeks, we haven't done this for a while. And, and so it always seemed kind of fresh, the material. But now we have 11 children, and it's just not so fresh anymore. But it still gives you an, an idea, I hope. And again, if you have any questions, we'll be happy to entertain those later on. And for the scriptures this morning, um, I think I had another thing or two I wanted to to say in, in way of context. Um, you know, one thing we didn't work into that video was anything about COVID, and, but, but it was a big deal when we were coming back. And just for me, and I'm, it's very difficult for me to make decisions. And that's why God blessed me with the wife that he did. It's still difficult. <laughs> But she's, she's helpful. Anyway, um, it was hard for us because we knew we, every time we saw a friend go out of China, they can't come back. Or friends who weren't here when it happened, they can't get back in. And so we knew if we go out, how are we going to get back? There's no guarantee. And what happened as I was praying through this over several months and I thought, this is harder than getting married, you know. <laughs> should we go back or should we stay? We could have stayed, theoretically, and blah, blah, blah. But our oldest son, Shem, Shem, raise your hand, yeah. Shem's with us. Um, he was about to graduate high school and, you know, get on to the next thing in his life. And I thought, well, we could just give him a, a plane ticket, you know, and say, God bless you. You know, he's grown up in China. The most he ever lived in America was from probably one to two and a half years old. That's it. And so it just seemed like the right thing to do for us to come back at such a time as this. And, and now the door's kind of closed. Unless we get our kids immunized and ourselves. And it just doesn't seem like the, the wise thing for us to do. So... We're, we're not doing that. But we'll share more about where we're at right now, except, except to let you know that we, are, we found ourselves, since we came back, we found ourselves in this place of transition. We treated the first year like normal. We come back once every five years for, for a little time of six to nine months, and so we're doing again. And then... Now we're at the next step where we've kind of come to a fork in the road, and we'll share more about that after in the afternoon time. And for now, I think we better spend some time in God's Word. And the, the message title, did anybody see that and, like, make you think of something? Anybody? A, a hand? I, and Pastor Wesco... What did it make you think of? Since you gave me the reference, I suspected it was something to do with the stone coming and cutting off the trees. Okay. 
Well, we are, we are going to go there. We, we will get there. But I hesitated to use that title because it comes from a 60s, 70s rock and roll kind of. It's actually more of a folk song, a Bob Dylan song. And he, they're, it's kind of a bandwagon song about marijuana. And we were out, we were out in Colorado, and they were saying, hey, did you, did you see the farms? Oh, it's beautiful, you know, and ranches. And, no, no, the cannabis. You know, like marijuana, you can't say that because of the roots, and it's almost like hate speech if you say it the wrong way. And so we just, we were surprised. I'm, I guess I'm drifting into some of our culture shock, which was interesting. We felt like we left China, and the media is very controlled there. Things are censored for sure. And all the, the TV channels kind of say the same thing. We came back here and we thought, boy, it is here like it was there. The billboards seem, instead of like free market advertising, they seem a little more like propaganda as we drive down the highways. But this, this marijuana thing is kind of... Um, close to home for us because there's one of our family members extended somewhat who who has gotten to that business and then we watch their lives go off the rails so it's kind of rather disturbing to us but when I was younger when I was well before I was saved at age 17 I was into that culture a little bit and I, I, there's a song I would listen to and it was Bob Dylan and it was it has this clownsy, circus kind of silly uh, beat to it. And it's, it's almost a mockery. It's, it's very sarcastic, but it's a bandwagon, uh, or a, like everybody else is doing it. They'll stone you while you're at the breakfast table. They'll stone you while you are young and able. But I would not feel so all alone. Everybody must get stoned. <laughs> and it's like Vanity Fair in Pilgrim's Progress with the way they play the music and everything. And, and I feel like I'm out of context for singing that song here. So, so hopefully this will all circle around and, and we'll end somewhere good. And we're going to go to uh, Daniel chapter 2. And I'd like to start in Romans. I'm just going to, you don't have to flip here with me, but I'm going to go to Romans 15. Because, and, the, and the reason, the, the where this came from is this sermon kind of formed in my mind was it's kind of a retelling of the way that God encouraged me during a time that felt dark and scary because there we were in China when COVID is getting its grand rollout and, and saying COVID is almost equivalent to saying death. I mean, it was really hyped up there. And one of the first things I remember is a guy contacting me a, a recent acquaintance 
And he was so concerned for us, he brought us a big jug of isopropyl alcohol. I didn't know what he was bringing, but I got some stuff going to help you out. All right, thank you. I go to meet him at the, the front gate, and, and he delivers this big jug. And I'm like, thank you. You know, and I wear my mask and go back, and what is this about? <laughs> you, can, you can wipe down the handles and clean the buttons on the elevator, and, and everything was, and I'm not trying to downplay COVID and that it's serious and people can die. I know all that. I understand, and I'm not trying to downplay it, but when at being there as a foreigner, knowing Chinese history, knowing about the Boxer Rebellion, for example, and an anti-foreigner sentiment that can happen upon the land, it's like, hmm, am I in the right place at the right time? And my family, you know, I'm responsible for 11 people. Um, and how bad is this thing? I mean, what if I get it? And I get carted away by men in bubble suits. Who said that? Thank you, Toby. And because that's, I could have put a lot more slides up there to kind of paint that picture, how serious it, it was and is. And it's still being treated very seriously, which, you know, there's, there's reason, some reason for that, perhaps, but I'm just, I'm just trying to tell you my experience was, I, I had to deal with fear in my heart and in my mind and discern, what is this spirit? What is it telling me? What's the message being communicated? What is this fear, and how am I to respond? Bam, that's like a trigger on a gun. Bam, trust in God. Bam. <laughs> that's what I learned. When I, when I am afraid, I will trust in thee. What time I'm afraid, I will trust in thee. And that's what God wants us to do. Seek our refuge in him, and blessed is everyone who does. So, okay. But at the same time, <laughs> am I supposed to do anything? But I did not want to make a decision out of fear. I don't believe that's how God leads us. He gives us his spirit, a spirit of love and power and of a sound mind. So what I want to share with you in the brief time that we have left is how the larger framework of Scripture and a big word we call eschatology was a comfort to me and encouraged me as I felt like I was in the midst of a, a bunch of stuff that was spinning out of control and I had very little that I could do. And I was concerned for my little girls and my big boys and my precious wife. So here is a verse out of Romans 15. And Paul says, now the God of hope, after, you know, after 14 and a half chapters of, of awesome teaching, he says, now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. 
that you may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, God wants to fill us with hope. How does he do that? And we know that he uses his word to do it. And he says in this chapter how that the things were written before were written for our learning and um, these, are, these are here for us. God's purpose of the scriptures, at least one of his purposes, is that we be filled with hope. And you know what fill means, like if this is water and I'm pouring it up to here and I keep going until it's full. And you know when it's full because it starts to, you know, run over. God wants you and I to be filled, filled with hope. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope. Abound in hope. That's the picture of the Christian life from Paul. In this snapshot that he gives us, at least. And there are many snapshots, you know. But this is the one that I want to focus on. What do we do? How do we respond in a world, in a nation, at a crazy time like we live in. And this, from Daniel 2, is a piece of that puzzle. And I, I know I'm going to have to run, to sprint, to, to get through this. But hopefully it'll be fun and profitable. Daniel chapter 2. And I'm going to assume a lot of Bible knowledge. And you know, Daniel came from Babylonian captivity, a young Jewish guy. Some think he might have been as young as 14, some maybe 17, or could have been a little older. And he goes to Babylon University. I'm sure it was more stellar than Notre Dame. And their Syriac teachers were... Way better, I'm sure. But Daniel is there with his three buddies, and you know they, they take a stand for what they believe in, and the, the guy who had some authority over them, he says, you know, they said, we don't want to eat the things that the king is offering. Please have us exempt. Maybe that was related to the idolatry in the background. But the, the, the leader guy says, sorry, no can do. And he said, well, could you give us a test? Just give us a 10-day test. And they passed it with beans and pulse. So they, they were on a vegan diet, man. Well, I don't know if that qualifies. And then and they passed the test. They looked good. They, they got to have what diet they preferred, and they passed the test 10 times better than their tongxue, than all their, their classmates. And they were given a place of prestige. And then we also see through all this that King Neb was very perturbed about his Congress and the legislatures amongst whom he was, and he he had a dream that, was, that he could use as leverage to prove them as phonies. 
then he had a, a very troubling dream. And we'll, we'll just pick it up here. And this is what, we want to focus on this dream. And, and I'm sorry to uh, ask this spontaneously, but Pastor, what time do you normally stop? Just curious. Or anybody could tell me. Somebody? Anybody? All right. Anybody? More objective, like with the, the hour. No later than. Okay. So, king answered and said to the Chaldeans, okay, I'm, I'm better starting in the beginning. In the second year of the reign of Nebuchadnezzar, he dreamed dreams wherein, wherewith his spirit was troubled and his sleep broke from him. He had insomnia, for what time we don't know. Then the king commanded to call the magicians, the astrologers, sorcerers, and the Chaldeans to show the king his dream. So they came and stood before the king. Hey, it's two in the morning, what's up? The king wants you present now. Yes, sir, I'll be right there. And so they, they get everybody present. And the king said to them, I have dreamed a dream and my spirit was troubled to know the dream. So he's, he's, just, he's just bothered. He's vexed in his spirit. That dream was terrible. It terrified me. And I want to know what it means. He was convinced it means something. There's a message and it's important and I got to know it. And the Chaldeans said to the king in Syriac, O king, live forever. Tell thy servants the dream and we will show the interpretation. The king answered and said to the Chaldeans, The thing is gone from me. If you will not make known the dream to me and the interpretation thereof, oh, cut down your house and blow it away. Okay, he says, I'll cut you in pieces, actually. Cut you in pieces and your houses will be made a dunghill, a trash heap. So the first is the negative. What's at stake? But if you will show the dream and its interpretation, and the interpretation thereof, ye shall receive of me gifts and rewards and great honor. Therefore, so, <laughs> the, the rules are simple, so show me the dream and the interpretation thereof. And they answered and said, let the king tell his servants the dream and we will show the interpretation. The king answered and said, I know of a certainty that you would gain the time because you see the, the thing is gone from me. But if you will not make known to me the dream, there is but one decree for you. That is that you're cut in pieces and your, your houses are become a dunghill. For you have prepared lying and corrupt words to speak before me until the time be changed. Therefore, tell me the dream and I will know that you can show me the interpretation thereof. So he's putting them to the test like right to the mouth of the fiery furnace. Now what you gonna do? Talk my way out of it, if I can. The Chaldeans answered before the king and said, there is not a man upon the earth. There is not a man upon the earth. Hint, this is where they go wrong. There is not a man upon the earth that can show the king the matter. Therefore, there is no king, no lord, no ruler that has asked such things 
at any magician or astrologer or, or Chaldean. And it is a rare thing that the king requires. There is none other that can show it before the king except the gods whose dwelling is not with flesh. It's where else they went wrong, right? It's one and the same. For this cause, the king was furious. The king was angry and very furious and commanded to destroy all the wise men of Babylon. And the decree went forth that the wise men should be slain. And to save our time, we're going to fast forward and just, you know the story, Daniel shines. They go to round him up. He perhaps wasn't there when the decree went forth. And all right, come on, Daniel. Of course, he was called something else. Belteshazzar, come on, we have something for you. What, sir? <laughs> we'll tell you later. And there is a dream. He dreamed a dream. And because the magicians can't tell it, all the wise men must die. Why is this so hasty? Give me some time as he's putting on his slippers and his robe. Could you just give me, just give me eight hours? We'll tell the king the dream and the interpretation. Really? Hey, you passed the beans test. I'm going to give you a shot at it. He goes and tells the king. and they, er, Anyway, they, they buy the time and they say, we have found a man who Nebuchadnezzar concludes in whom is the spirit of God. There's no, ain't nobody can do this. You got to have the spirit of God in you. And Daniel and his friends, they prayed. They desired mercies in verse 18 of the God of heaven concerning this secret, which pops up about five times in our text. That they would not perish with the rest of the wise men. And the, the secret was revealed to Daniel in a night vision. And Daniel, bless God, first thing he does, thank you. Blessed be the name of God forever and ever. And we cannot imagine, no matter how hard I try, I think not that I could imagine how he really felt. What elation, what relief when, when you are that close to death. You're going to be cut in pieces. And I think he was a literalist in those days at that time. Hack him up. And, God is, and Daniel is praising God for wisdom and might belong to him. Wisdom. And that's what he needed, wisdom. He called on God and he revealed the thing. Whoosh, unveiled it to him. And he saw what Neb saw. He, caught, he saw with his eyes in a vision what the exact same thing that Nebuchadnezzar saw. And, and here's how he describes. You know, it was the tower, the, the, the big image, the head of gold, Babylon, the chest and arms of silver, the belly and thigh of brass, which is Medo-Persia and Greece, and then the legs of iron, 
that stamp and break in pieces which parallel the vicious beast of Daniel's dream later on, symbolizing Rome. Man, iron teeth. Chomp, chomp. Fierce and ferocious. I think Daniel was maybe troubled too at his dreams, right? We know he was. But listen to this praise in verse 21. He changes the times and the seasons. He removes kings, sets up kings. See, he already gets it. He got it. He understood what that dream means. There's a succession of kingdoms. And when it's over, it's over. And, and not really. When it's over, it's just begun. The good times are just about to roll. He reveals... He giveth wisdom to the wise and knowledge to them that know understanding. Kids, kids, math is good. Foreign languages are beneficial. English is a worthy language, as is Chinese or Syriac. He reveals, God does, he reveals the deep and secret things. He knows what is in the darkness. Does he have a light on in mama's belly when he shapes and forms a little child in his mommy's womb? No lights on. The darkness and the light are alike to him. And Daniel says, I thank thee and praise thee, O thou God of my fathers, who hast given me wisdom and might and has made known to me now what we desired of thee. You gave us exactly what we asked for. I thank thee and praise thee, O God of my fathers, who has given me, you gave me wisdom and might and made known to me now what we desired of thee, for thou hast now made known unto us the king's matter. And he's got it. Right here. The MP4 file that King Neb saw, he's got it right here on his thumb drive. And he says, take me to your leader. Take me to the king, Nebuchadnezzar. And you know the rest of the story. He interprets the dream to the king who is dumbfounded and elevates Daniel to a place of prominence and position that is unparalleled. Maybe Joseph was a, a close second, right? Easy second. Um, application. And, and, and we're not even going through the dream unless we race. Fasten your seatbelts. This is the dream, and we will tell the interpretation in verse 36. And I just, I guess we did. I summarize that. Verse 37. Thou, O king, art a king of kings, for the God of heaven hath given thee a kingdom, power, and strength, and glory, and Wheresoever the children of men dwell, the beasts of the field and the fowls of heaven hath he given into thine hand and hath made thee ruler over them all. You are this head of gold. Ah. You could imagine the sense of glory 
that Nebuchadnezzar might have felt at the hearing of those words. And you know what he does in the next chapter is builds a whole image, all of gold. Maybe he missed the point. May all those kingdoms be mine. But there were some who were not bowing. I lost my place. And wheresoever the children... Um, sorry. I am on verse... 39, and after thee, after thee shall arise another kingdom inferior to thee, another third kingdom of brass. Excuse me, and another. So there's one, then another, then another, which shall bear rule over all the earth. So these are, these are global dominions. And the fourth kingdom shall be strong as iron, for as much as iron breaks in pieces and subdues all things as iron that breaks all these, shall it break in pieces and destroy. And whereas he's reminding the king of his dream and, and how he kept on watching until something happened. And whereas, in verse 41, and whereas you saw the feet and toes, part of potter's clay and Part of iron, so they're mixed material, iron and clay. The kingdom shall be divided, but there shall be in it, there shall remain in it the strength of the iron. And we're going to skip ahead a little bit. Whereas you saw, excuse me, let's jump down to 44. And in the days of these kingdoms, so we got a clear picture of four kingdoms. And in the days, or during the days, of these kings, which in our knowledge now, we can look back and say, oh, how long is that? From Babylon, you know, when, when this is going on, until now is approximately how long? Uh, it'd be a good 2,000 years just to the cross, right? 2,500 about 2,500 years of history was revealed to Daniel in a moment. And he's explaining the interpretation of this statue as four kingdoms. And what, what happens in the end? And, and if we, let's bounce back to verse 34, uh, where it says his, his legs were of iron, his feet part iron, part clay, and you kept on watching, king. He reminds him in verse 34, you saw until, thou sawest till that a stone was cut out without hands. Hmm. A stone was cut out without hands. Reminds us of the handwriting on the wall, kind of, doesn't it? A stone was cut out without hands, which smote the image upon his feet. A stone was cut out without hands, and that stone smote the image upon his feet that were of iron and clay, and it broke them in pieces. Verse 35, then was the iron, the clay, the brass, the silver, and the gold broken in pieces together and became like the chaff of the summer threshing floors, and the wind carried them away, that no place was found for them. They are driven into oblivion. 
They are gone bye-bye in history to be remembered or seen no more. But the stone, on the other hand, we can continue reading, and the stone that smote the image, what became of it? It's, it became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. Remind you of the mustard seed? Remind you of the little bit of leaven that leavens the whole lump? Verse 44, and in the days of these kings shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed and the kingdom shall not be left to other people. The Babylonians were consumed by the Medo-Persians who were absorbed into the Grecian Empire who was accumulated by the Romans one to the other to the other, and, and it just keeps going like that. One went to the other to the other. But this kingdom of the stone that becomes a mountain that will fill the whole earth, it shall not be left to other people, but it shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms. But itself shall stand forever. And that's it. That's history in a nutshell. It is finished. Loud he cried. Christ coming to the cross had a purpose. But that's the first coming, and we know there's two. The second coming, he is that stone. Do you remember this word when Jesus said, and the, the, the Pharisees, he gave them parables to help understand who he is. Because they didn't get it. They thought, this guy, this dude is not legit. And he said, let me tell you a parable about it. this guy who had a vineyard. And he let it out to others, etc. And in the end, he sent his son, his only son. And they said, ah, oh, they'll respect him. No, they killed him and threw him out. May I think they threw him out and then killed him. And he says, this is the stone which the builders rejected. And he connected the dots for them. And he said, whosoever falls upon this stone shall be broken. But upon whomsoever it shall fall. Remember the image? The image, the image, and a stone comes and smites the image on its feet. So it... It, it falls and it's shattered. It's smitten and scattered. It's history. It is no more. The stone, and he's connecting the dots. Here's the vision you had. Here's the interpretation thereof. Jesus is that stone. And he's a stone that the builders rejected. And he is the rock upon which Jesus will build his church. 
It is his kingdom that is the everlasting kingdom. And as James said, remember this in Acts chapter 15 when they're saying, eh, do the Gentiles need to keep the, the, the law? Peter's crystal clear. <laughs> Don't put a yoke on their neck, which neither we nor our fathers could bear. No, 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 no. But before Peter comes clear on that, what does James say? He says, known unto God are all his works from the foundation of the world. And he interprets the present day circumstances. What's going on? The Jews are saved through faith. Same thing with the Gentiles. You hear the word, you believe, you, you receive the Holy Spirit, you're in. And he says that God is seeking a people for his name. And this is a terrible time for me to, to forget the exact verbiage, but it's, it's uh, important to me. I just love what James said, and I usually could pass a three in the morning check on this. Um, okay, Simeon, referring to what Peter had said, he declared to us at first how God did visit the Gentiles to take out of them, or out from among them, a people for his name. Now, that is the kingdom. That is the kingdom Jesus is talking about. And it's this church age that we live in. It's a, to say it's a parenthesis in God's plan for Israel is kind of true. Don't want to downplay it. But these are wonderful times we live in, and God's got it all under control. He, in the beginning said, you know, all the things he said. He created this world by the power of his word. And, and, and world history is controlled by the power of his word. The books of First and Second Kings illustrate that beautifully. And how about Daniel's prophecy? God is in control. And so as I'm laying there in bed at night in China, thinking about COVID and the what-ifs of my family or me getting taken away and separated and what's going to happen, and I don't know, and should we go back to America? Uh, some people say, no, don't go there, man, it's crazy. They're having riots in the street and the political temperature is way, you know, off the charts. And, 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 and others are writing to us saying, are you still here? Because it's not good for you to be here right now. You should Go back where you came from. And I'm tossing and turning. Well, should I? Should What should I? Lord, give me wisdom. And as I think about it, it's like, oh, shut up all that noise. Praise the Lord. Look to him. He's got it all. Like that song says, he's got the whole world in his hand. And he's got each of you and each of me each of us in his hands. He knows the end from the beginning. And we can rest. We can relax. We can know that it has a good ending. Even if I get my head chopped off, it's okay. Paul suffered that. But what is his hope? Jesus Christ, the empty tomb. Death is not the end. Fear not them. Who? can hurt the body and afterwards have no more they can do. Fear him who after your physical life is over has power to send you away into darkness and everlasting fire or to receive you unto eternal joys. 
everybody must be stoned. What does that mean? It means each one of us must, must have an individual reckoning with the Son of God. And that's it. All the kingdoms of this world will be addressed by that stone. And each individual person and what we do with Jesus Christ, whether we fall on him and be broken. I am broken, Lord. I have not kept your law. I have not kept your commandments, your will. I don't want, it's not in me. And I have been like a prodigal son. I've been, I'm lost, heading the wrong way. But then I saw the cross. I saw your love for me. My heart is smitten. I'm broken. I'm, I want to, I want to be yours. I don't want to, run this life amok anymore. I want to accept your redemption. And however Pastor Wesco feels, sees fit to bring things to a close, I'm going to turn it over. Let's pray together. Our gracious God, we consider the vision that you gave of the dream to Nebuchadnezzar and then use your servant Daniel to interpret it. And Lord, we, we see so much in our lives and in the world around us that troubles us. And yet, Lord Jesus, may we in each moment and in each situation take our eyes off of these things on earth no matter how scary or great they may be. And may we refocus and look to you, seeing you sit, seated at the right hand of the throne of God. May we keep our eyes fixed on you and our blessed hope in your glorious return. We look to that day. We put our hope in you. And as we look to the day when you will set up your kingdom on this earth, we just stand in awe of the arrogancy and the pride that we see in man around us and in our own hearts. Lord God, humble us. May we bow before you as our Lord and Savior. Lord, I pray for those who have not received your Holy Spirit, those who have not believed on you, that today... They would see you as the Savior who suffered, bled, and died so that they could have life and that they would believe on you, the one who rose from the dead with both the power and authority to give life. And Lord Jesus, may each one of us who have believed, each one of us who have received your gift of life, May we keep our eyes fixed on you, the author and finisher of our faith. May we keep focused on you. And no matter what may scare us, what may tempt us, whatever may come, may we keep our eyes on you and know you more. For indeed, you are the Alpha and Omega. And there is the day when you will restore things. We know the end of the story. We know the end of history. For you have revealed it to us. 
And in that, we see you as the victor over all things. We see you as the creator, creating a new heaven and a new earth where there will be no more pain, no more sorrow. There will be no more sin nor curse. But Lord Jesus, those who are in you, those who have received your forgiveness, will abide with you, our God, in your tabernacle forever. We rejoice in you and we look to that day. And may we be a faithful people, not just in the sense of holding on, but may we have a renewed passion to continue in this life, to do what you've called us to do as husbands and fathers, as brothers and sisters, as your ambassadors to this dark world. May we go forth proclaiming truth and living in the power of your spirit. We need you, Lord Jesus. We bow before you in thanksgiving for your goodness. As we continue in this day, may you be glorified and honored in all things, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. If you'd please stand with me as Lincoln comes.